Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. Some people have been saying to me, Morgan, today's show is going to be a real Debbie Downer episode. And I'm trying to tell everybody, no, it's not. No, it's not, because they heard the promo. They heard me talking about it on Friday during Brian and Company that Emily Frankie, who is a local author, is coming on, and she's going to be talking about the loss of her grandmother and this children's book that she wrote. Listen, listen, it is not going to be, and it's not supposed to be, a heartbreaking program. I actually am so proud of Emily because she's turned something into a positive that was a negative. There is a lesson that we all go through in life in so many different ways, shapes, forms, so many different aspects of life, so many different chapters of life. And uh, she went through the grieving process, very upset over the loss of her grandmother. And she said, you know what? I can turn this into a lesson for other people, particularly for children, youth. We're talking about kids maybe as young as, I don't know, five years old, six years old, 10 years old. And even intended for teenagers, 15, 16, 17. And she wants this to be a lesson for everybody. And I think that that is a positive thing because death when you're a child is not something that you're necessarily told a lot about. And so when it happens, you kind of deal with it in that moment when it happens and um, you're maybe not prepared for it. And so I think that Emily has taken a negative that she experienced in her life and turned it into some kind of a positive. She is a local author. She is from Wallingford. And now she's going across the state of Connecticut, not just in greater New Haven, not just greater Water uh, Wallingford, but she's gone as far as New London. Okay, she has gone into Western Connecticut. She's going to schools across the state and reading this to audiences at school libraries. She's going to public libraries. She's going to tell us later in this episode that she, in fact, is going to be at the Durham Fair talking about the book and offering copies up of the book. And so all of that we're going to get into, and um, I think you're also going to be surprised at how quickly she came up with her book, Ladybug, Who Lived on a Four-Leaf Clover. But before we get to that on this gorgeous Saturday afternoon, although I do see some clouds, it was not so cloudy this morning. It was a little hazy, yes, but cloudy, not so much. Beautiful blue sky. In fact, I was in the sky this morning, but uh, we're not going to be talking about that today. Uh, that's for a Spotlight Connecticut, actually. I was up in the sky, yes, for a Spotlight Connecticut that's going to broadcast next month. But as far as uh, talking about it today, we're not going to do that. But it was a beautiful sky this morning and a beautiful uh, up until uh, the midday, a beautiful midday. Um, but I guess that there could be some storms rolling through the state a little later on this afternoon going into the evening. So definitely, if you are going to be out there, just be mindful of that. That would be my only recommendation. But as of now at 2.10 this afternoon, not terrible outside, not at all. Now, I mentioned that I was up in the sky, and part of my travels today took me by the old chowder pot, which is just off Brainerd Road in Hartford, and they closed a few months ago, as you know. They might be opening up again, but um, details on that are pretty limited at this time. But what I can tell you is that I was surprised at what's going on with that property, and what's going on at the property that used to be the chowder pot is not that much. No, not that much. There's INSA, which is a Massachusetts-based cannabis company that's supposed to be building a cultivation facility and retail shop and supposedly outfitting um, that building in that area into uh, their new facility. 
However, um, I'm not seeing much of that going on at this point. Instead, what I saw in the back of the parking lot, because I was on the highway there and I was getting off the exit and I was getting onto Brainerd Road, I was just simply stunned by the amount of tires that are left behind there. No, I'm not kidding you. Uh, there are so many tires. First of all, what I noticed were a bunch of tires scattered about the parking lot. Okay, And then in the back of the parking lot is just a big pile of tires. Has to be 200. And it took me by surprise because, unless I'm missing something here, I don't believe that there's any kind of you know tire shop nearby that would actually have access to that property there. I mean, they're next to a Best Western. The MDC is there. Brainerd Airport, not too far away. You've got the Connecticut Lighting Centers that's there. And so, um, no, I don't see anything there uh, driving around that would signify tires. So, obviously, they're dumped. So, I would hope that INSA can get in there soon and clean up that mess because it was not necessarily the most thrilling thing to see getting off the highway, although I was taken by surprise. And here's something before we go slide into the break and before we bring on Emily Frank. Here's something that took a lot of people by surprise. If you're in West Hartford and you're a fan of ice cream, some folks have said to me, Morgan, where's Arthusa? And I said, well, Arthusa's in West Hartford and also out in uh, Bantam, out by Litchfield, which is where their farm is, and they make ice cream, and I've been to Arthusa many a time. I haven't been to the Litchfield one, but I've been there in West Hartford. And they said to me, Morgan, it's closed. I said, it's closed. And I've been hearing this now for about a month, roughly. And I finally had an opportunity to look into what's going. So for those of you who are into ice cream, you ice cream for ice cream and all of that, I want to tell you that Arthusa is not gone. What? If you go by, Morgan, that's what people are saying to me, Arthusa's gone. Okay, well, here's what's going on from what I understand. Now, this is going to take some further investigation, and it might actually be worthy of a fall episode of Spotlight Connecticut, so we will have to keep watch of this. But there's a restaurant that's going in there, and they're apparently partnering with Arthusa. The restaurant is called Le Maze. They're a French restaurant. Now, if you go to their website, which is already up, it's eatlemaze.com. Now, I know that I took French in high school, and so I'm able to say it well. But if you don't really, uh, if you're not really familiar with the French language, it's e a t l e m a z e t dot com. Eatlemaze.com. And here's what the website says: It's just a static homepage. And they say, Rotisserie Restaurant Bar American, anticipated opening, fall 2023, West Hartford welcomes Le Maze, an intimate new restaurant to offer French comfort food, a very special wine list, cask cocktails, poulet rotisserie, which is French for chicken rotisserie or rotisserie chicken, conserva, and here's the thing that uh, is really interesting to those of you who like ice cream. They're going to have fresh ice cream and carry out market items from dairy partner Arthusa Farm. So what I think happened here is that Arthusa's moving away from the traditional ice cream parlor in which they had some tables both outside and inside, and you had the ice cream counter where you saw all the products you would be interested in, and you tell them, okay, I'll have a three scoop of chocolate chip or whatever it is that you were looking for, and they would give it to you. So that was the traditional business model. But obviously now they're partnering with Le Maze. Now, French cuisine obviously uses a lot of cream. 
And so they're probably getting cream, milk, and dairy from Arthusa that's going into the actual product. And then they're going to be still serving that ice cream that made that location popular. I think it is confusing, at least to me, why did they decide to do this rebrand and change here in the summer? Okay, because in Connecticut, ice cream is a very seasonal thing. I mean, you can enjoy it somewhere in December. You can go get it somewhere in December. There are stores that still sell it. But I mean, we're not in Florida, let's be honest. And so if you're walking outside on a hot summer night and you're in West Hartford, you're going to want ice cream. I originally thought that they probably faced too much competition from Milkcraft, which is just a few doors down. But I would probably guess, and I don't know this for sure, that it has something to do with a lease, maybe. Um, or uh, maybe something else, but I'm not certain on that. But it does strike me as weird that they didn't decide to make this changeover in the fall. I'm Morgan Cunningham at Spotlight, Connecticut. We've got Emily Frankie on the way on WTIC. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, I'm Justin Iraqi Hill, and I'm listening to Spotlight, Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. And to clarify, yes, Arthusa is still open in Litchfield. That's A-R-E-T-H-U-S-A. And returning to West Hartford under the guise and umbrella of Le Maze in partnership with Le Maze. So we'll keep watch on that on Spotlight, Connecticut. Our guest this week on SC Spotlight, Connecticut is Emily Frankie. And Emily is as kind as could be. She took a negative, turned it into a positive. That would be the loss of her grandmother. And she's going to tell us all about how that inspired her children's book. So I said to her, Emily, tell me about your grandmother, Sheila, and the memories you two share. I am 24 years old. Um, I was very fortunate to have my grandma up until I was 23 years old. Um, So I was very fortunate. Like I said, she was my best friend. Her and I, you know, we had just their very special relationship together. And unfortunately, she passed away um, two years ago in June. So it was a pretty hard loss for me. And I said, well, I want to be able to help inspire other people dealing with grief and loss in a positive way, which is how I kind of wrote my book about my grandma, The Ladybug Who Lived on a Four-Leaf Clover. So as my grandma was passing away, I had said, hey, Graham, you know, I want you to visit me as a ladybug. And so unfortunately, you know, she wasn't really kind of responding and things at the time, but she kind of moved her eyebrow. And four hours after she passed away, there was a ladybug on my Jeep. And I knew she heard me and she's still with me. That was the sign. Yeah, absolutely. Hence why I say there are signs everywhere. Just look around. So my grandmother was Irish. She cherished her Irish heritage, loved it, had, you know, her shamrocks everywhere and, so the ladybug who lives on a four-leaf clover, I made together in in her honor because that's how she visits me, and she was Irish. Now it's my understanding, Emily, that you're from Wallingford. Was she also from that area, or did she come from somewhere else? So she actually grew up in West Haven, and she lived in Milford. But I am from Wallingford. You're right. So a lot of Connecticut connections here. You got it. Your grandmother. Is there any kind of memory about her? that you remember, that you think of all the time, that maybe you wove into the book. And I'd like to transition into talking about the book now a little bit. But, Emily, I'm thinking about inspiration that you were thinking about when you went into writing this book. I mean, how did this thing come about? I don't think you were necessarily pretending to be a writer or thinking about being a writer. So to be completely honest, how my story came to be is when I was little, my grandmother and I did used to look for four-leaf clovers in the grass, which was something that was actually really important and significant to the story. So that's, you know, kind of going back into how I wrote this story. After losing my grandmother, I was trying, like I said, to kind of deal with the grieving process and 
figure out, well, how can I get through this but also help other people? So about seven months after she passed away, I wrote the ladybug who lives on a four-leaf clover and the notes app of my iPhone. It took me 15 minutes to write this story. And I said, oh, my goodness, something feels right about this story. This sounds like it could be a story and it could help other people. So I ended up sending this message and this, this story out on the notes app of my iPhone to publishers near me. And I had seven missed calls the next morning when I woke up. All these different publishers all around New England calling me back saying, Emily, please call me back. Let's make this a published children's book. Wow. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> um, I had no idea what I was doing. And I woke up and I said, I think I just wrote a children's book in honor of grandma. So kind of fast forward a little bit. About a week after I found my publisher now, um, Acute by Design Publishing in Marlboro, Connecticut, and I sent her my manuscript, and I said, please don't disregard this manuscript. I'm so sorry. I wrote this story in honor of my grandma. I apologize. It's not typed. It's just a screenshot of the notes out of my iPhone. So it turns out that the publisher reached back out to me and said, Emily, this story is beautiful. It made me cry. I lost my aunt, and she visits me as ladybugs. So it was kind of a match made in heaven, so to speak, between you and the publisher and Marlboro working together, collaborating on this project. You got it. And it was another sign from above. So I said, oh, my goodness, this is just this is crazy. This is all kind of happening so fast. And that was a week after I wrote my book. So You, you said it took you, what, 15 minutes to put the story together? Yeah, it took me only 15 minutes to write the story. And then a week after, I ended up signing my contract with my publisher, which is when I became a published author. Well, this happened so quickly. Did that take you by surprise? It must have. It did, but I also had that feeling inside where, you know, you kind of have that intuition feeling and you're like, you know, something was meant to happen. That's how I felt. I was shocked. I was never anticipating something to take, you know, or be so quick. But I realized that it was my grandma, and I think she was coming through to me saying, hey, Ann, write the story. You have some talent. You know, you like to share these beautiful messages. And I ended up writing it. In high school, I loved creative writing. I took a creative writing course. I loved writing. I always thought, you know, hey, journal, write down your feelings. And then when I did, I never expected to be this published author who's traveled all around the state of Connecticut to share this story. When I think about people who write books, 15 minutes usually doesn't come to mind, right? I'm thinking about people that go through the process multiple times. They write a draft. They think about it. They sit on it a while. They think about it again. They rewrite it. They send it off to an editor or two or three. Eventually gets to a publisher, maybe another round of editing. Did you ever have to go through and tweak this at all, or is the original that you wrote on your cell phone what people will read in your book, The Lady Who Lived on a Four-Leaf Clover? So very, 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 very minimal things that I have to change, maybe a couple punctuation points. The actual context in the story did not change once. The story that I wrote in the notes app of my iPhone is a story that you will be reading once you, you know, see my book in person or you're able to, you know, enjoy it and share it with your loved ones. So, no, nothing changed. I had not expected that I was going to be such a fast-moving process. And I have a twin sister. Her name is Haley, who lives in New York. And she illustrated my story for me. So it was a beautiful family affair in honor of our grandma. Emily Frankie is our guest this week on Spotlight Connecticut. Um, amazed at how quickly this went for you. 
And I'd like you to summarize the story just a little bit. What is so magical about this? Why is it that you had your publisher crying? You had people reaching out to you the next day trying to get this children's book. And I want to talk about children's books in particular, but uh, it is a children's book. And in general, what is the story about and why is it so special? So this story is so special because the story shares a little girl named Emily who learns one day that she lost her grandmother and her grandmother passes away. One day, Emily sees a magical ladybug named Sheila who comes back to visit her, who was her grandmother, to remind Emily that grandma is always with her. That's amazing. In general, what are you hearing from people who early on read the book before it was really published in mass, other than the publisher? Did you share it with family or friends? I did. So my family, of course, their initial reaction was tears. It was happy tears. It was sad tears because, of course, we all had those beautiful memories of it was my dad's mom, and that was the only grandparent that I had left. So my dad actually ended up getting a tattoo of a ladybug on a four-leaf clover right on his arm in honor of the book and also in honor of my grandma. Um, so originally when I first you know, had shared this story and said before this story you know, kind of is out and shared with the public, it was a beautiful way to remember how special my grandma was. She was just such a kind person who always welcomed everybody into her arms. And I wanted to just remember that beautiful legacy from her. And I told some close friends and they were so excited because you see, you know, grief and loss books for children, but it wasn't something that you see that kind of relates to signs. I do believe, you know, my whole life I've always said, oh, you know, I see a different family member as a cardinal or a butterfly. So having that experience, losing my grandma, asking her, hey, Graham, come and visit me as a ladybug, being a ladybug and then being able to just have this story come to life is just so meaningful. It's such a rewarding feeling. Your sister did the artwork for the project. I think you actually just mentioned that a few moments ago. And could you talk about how she went about illustrating this children's book? Absolutely. So my sister, as I said, she lives in New York. So my sister and I, we don't live in the same state. After I had told my family, my sister immediately said, Em, I don't want anybody illustrating this book except me. First-time author, first-time illustrator. So I had to ask my publisher first and said, is it okay if I have my twin sister illustrate the story? So my publisher said, do you mind just having her send a couple examples of what the work looks like? She ended up loving it. And it turns out that my sister and I did this together. So my sister's artwork, she was able to digitally create the artwork um, through an app. I, I believe it's called Procreate. So she did all those pictures, and my publisher told me that typically, don't get discouraged, but typically books, you know, children's books can take about a year to have them fully done and published and out and shared. Mine only took me three months. Just three? Just three months. So from the end of January to the beginning of April is when I had a hard copy of The Ladybug Who Lived on a Four-Leaf Clover, and that's when I began sharing all of this information with Every school, every funeral home, every guidance counselor's office, every mental health therapist's office, any grieving center for children, anywhere I can get that this, you know, to find that special person who needed to hear this story. That's where we're going with this next, the distribution and the marketing of Emily Frankie's book. You can learn more about her, emilyfrankie.com, F-R-A-N-K-E. 
I'm Morgan Cunningham on WTIC. We'll be back. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Live on a Saturday afternoon, I'm Morgan Cunningham on WTIC News Talk 1080, having fun with you and talking about turning a negative into a positive with our Wallingford-based author. She's Emily Frankie, and she'll be back with us in a few moments to talk about the marketing behind The Ladybug Who Lived on a Four-Leaf Clover a children's book inspired by the passing of her grandmother, and she's trying to teach that lesson on to people who are young and up-and-coming and going into a totally new generation. And, Emily, I give you a lot of credit for the bravery in doing so. And as you can hear and have heard already in her story, that this wasn't necessarily something she was setting out to do. It just kind of happened like that. Happened like that. Very serendipitous. And I like that about story okay the serendipity the fact that it's grassroots she doesn't i don't believe have millions of dollars to get this story published and promoted across the country it just happened the book simply happened and the cult following that is developing just happened and the interest that schools have in having her talk about the book to students that just happened and she's going to get into all of that information and detail in a few moments. If you have an idea for Spotlight Connecticut, just let me know. I'm looking for all kinds of ideas. Maybe it's an event. Maybe it's a location. Maybe it's a human interest story, kind of like this one, okay? I want to know what your story is. So here's how you can get in touch with me, a number of ways to do it. And uh, I'm working on adding some more. I'm a very busy guy. The Monday through Friday news scene here in the morning keeps me quite active and busy. So just stay with us on Spotlight Connecticut because we'll add more as time goes by. But the best way that I find and that I like is an email. Just send me a note. Tell me if this is something that you want to partake in. Tell me if you have an idea that I can follow up on, whatever it may be. Morgan.Cunningham at odyssey.com. I get them all. I read them all. I respond as soon as I get a chance. And some of the ideas I don't want to do right away. I tuck them away for when the time is right, so you never know when the inspiration will really hit me to go and do something. Or I might say, yeah, I need to jump on this immediately because it's a timely story. Whatever it is, just send me your idea. Tell me you're a listener, and let me know if there's something that I can do based on your idea. And I will do my best. Morgan.Cunningham at odyssey.com. M-O-R-G-A-N dot C-U-N-N-I-N-G-H-A-M at odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com. It's a mouthful, I know. So you could also go over to Facebook. And all you've got to do on Facebook is type in my name, Morgan Cunningham, M-O-R-G-A-N, C-U-N-N-I-N-G-H-A-M. And if you go over to Facebook, you'll see my picture. I am in a suit and a tie. And you click on that. Give me a like. Let me know you're out there. MC News Talk is the handle for both my Facebook and also my Twitter, for that matter. So you can send all of your ideas and suggestions to me that way on Spotlight Connecticut. I love having listener interaction and engagement. And that's how I find some of these ideas. Scrolling around on Facebook, too. It's a great help. It really is. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, it's Nadine in Clinton. I'm listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Can I just say I love the internet and I love doing Spotlight Connecticut live because I just got a follow on Twitter from Diane in Enfield. The handle there is at MC News Talk. 
You could stay in touch with me, some of my show updates and ideas and so forth, so on, some news items, I tweet that out. You could also go on Facebook, which I have just recently been using a lot for talking about Spotlight Connecticut here and the guests that I have on. Again, MC News Talk is the username in order to find me. We've been talking today with Diane, uh, whoops, we've been talking today with Emily Frankie, and I wanted to say, Diane, thank you for listening. Emily Frankie is our Wallingford-based author talking about her children's book inspired by the grief brought on by the passing of her grandmother. She's turning that negative into a positive, The Ladybug Who Lived on a Four-Leaf Clover. Now I want to talk about how she's marketing this book, and I asked her, I said to her, how did you get started doing this? Obviously, you went and you did guest readings at a local school, at a local library, and it just has blossomed from there. So fortunately, because I have been a Wallingford resident my whole life, I grew up in the, you know, the Wallingford public school system and things. I was fortunate to be able to reach out to a lot of close friends and family members who also had connections. So you started with your local, you know, where you came from. You You started there. Exactly. So I started all throughout Wallingford. I was um, introduced to, uh, it was my first like event. Um, The Wallingford Public Library hosted an author event for local Wallingford authors. So I ended up starting there, and people kind of came up to my table. They see that I have stickers of, you know, my ladybug who wears pink glasses. The reason for that is my grandmother, um, she loves the color pink, and she had pink glasses, which is why, you know, the ladybug wears pink glasses. (laughs) So I started there, and then I created my own social media pages. I created an Instagram page. I created a Facebook page, a website, and I started marketing in all these different surrounding towns. And I said, you know, I wrote this story in honor of my grandmother who passed away. It's a great children's book who can kind of help anybody dealing with, you know, the loss of a loved one. And it blew up. I have traveled all around Connecticut. I do author visits. I go to schools. I go to libraries. I do readings. Um, I've read to grieving centers. I have donated my books to funeral homes, mental health therapist offices. This is a great resource to be used for people who, who really need this. Because it's such a positive way to look at it is, hey, you know, I don't see my grandma anymore, but I do know that she's always with me and she's forever in my heart. Have you come across anybody going through the grief process very actively? And what I mean by that is, have you read the story and you noticed that there was a child who was upset by it or somebody that came up to you and said, hey, Emily, this was really moving and you could tell that they're moved. Has that happened to you? Every single day. Every single day, I will either get an email, a Facebook message, or if I'm performing a reading, I have parents, teachers, administrators, students come up to me. I really should be bringing tissues, honestly, to my readings. Sounds like it. Yeah. (laughs) I've had a lot of audience members come up to me and say, you know, wow, this book is beautiful. Sometimes, you know, the little kids will say it makes me sad, but it remember, you know, they remind, it reminds them of their loved ones. So for the little kids, I always like to say, you know, it, it sometimes it's sad, but it's also a good story because you remember the happy memories that you have with your loved ones. I've had children say to me, oh, well, now that makes sense. I understand that my grandpa passed away and I see him as a cardinal. That's what my mommy tells me. So really connecting with these students and also adults as well. I actually have a, a woman who lives out in Ohio who's 85 years old, who reaches out to me all the time just to say, hey, Em, how's it going? I love your book. I still haven't given it to my granddaughter yet because I'm waiting until I pass on, but she left a note in the book. 
and it's in a memory box. Oh, my goodness. Away. Oh, my goodness. So when I tell you here, Morgan, this story, I never expected any of this to happen. I just wrote it because it came from my heart. It's a true story. I lost my grandma. I was having a hard time dealing with it. And now here I am sharing my story with everybody. I have moments where people have given the book to somebody who is unfortunately even on hospice or sometimes, you know, with the fresh passing away, they give it to them. That's why I give it to funeral homes. So it's used as a resource, especially if the children are there. It's also a great way just to have People buy the book before anything happens. They leave notes in the book, which is so, so special. And that's something that I will never be able to take away from this, is that it is such a beautiful, rewarding, and honoring feeling that I am able to create this for other people. The story is The Ladybug Who Lived on a Four-Leaf Clover. Our guest is the book's author. It's a children's book, and it's written by Emily Frankie. Emily, I have to wonder, you've turned this into such a positive but does it ever make you emotional? Does it ever bring you down? In the very beginning, when I first wrote this story and I started reading it to other people, I would cry because, you know, of course, I really missed my grandma and it was so fresh. But now when I look at my story, sometimes I look at it and I'm just very proud of myself and say, wow, I was able to create that. And I was able to take something so painful and so sad, but turn it into a positive thing. And now that I'm getting, you know, all these wonderful emails and responses from people saying, thank you so much. You just helped my five-year-old daughter understand where daddy went. It's a beautiful, beautiful feeling. And another thing that's also important to know is that even though this story shares that I lost my grandmother, this book, a lot of people also change it to a loved one that they have passed, you know, that they have lost. It could be an aunt. It could be an uncle. It could be a grandfather. It could be their first pet. It's something that people take in this book and they are able to kind of twist it how they want so it fits their situation that they're going through. In the last year or so, Emily, has this book brought you to a school or a place that you would think is unusual, like maybe somewhere that's really far out and it's not near Wallingford or anything like that, and you've gone out there and you can't believe that you're actually there in Connecticut or maybe somewhere else talking about this story? Yeah, so I travel all around the state of Connecticut. So I have gone to Groton, I have gone to New London, and now these places are over an hour away from Wallingford. I've also gone to my neighboring towns like Meriden, Cheshire. So I go all around the state of Connecticut. I also have my book in a store in Maine. Maine, York Beach, Maine, um, is a very special place to my family, as we all grew up vacationing in Maine, and my grandmother also used to live in Maine. So on top of Connecticut, I also have connections in Maine, which is another wonderful thing about this story is that actually a cool story is my parents were walking the marginal way in a gunquit, if anybody knows where that is. And my mom had stopped. I was at home in Connecticut. My mom had stopped and saw a ladybug rock, and she sent it to me and said, Em, Grandma's with me. So this woman who walked by said, oh, you know, I actually just read a book called The Ladybug Who Lives on a Four-Leaf Clover. Get out of here. I swear. And my mom said, oh, my goodness, my daughter's the author. My other daughter's the illustrator. The woman told my mom that she purchased the book. She found me from marketing, found my book online, purchased it. She lived in South Carolina and sent it to her daughter who lived all the way in New York. Wow. This is getting some mileage. Yeah, so I actually have sold this book to 38 out of the 50 states so far, and I'm also overseas. It doesn't sound like to me that this is 
totally about sales for you, although I'm sure that making some money off of this doesn't hurt. But uh, I'm curious about how it's getting into stores and are you approaching stores? Are they just finding out about this book organically, like the one in Maine? Did you go there and did you say, hey, here's the story, here's the situation, would you consider selling my book? How does that work? Or are you finding more sales on Amazon or elsewhere online? So I do not approach stores or schools or any readings, actually. I have these people actually reaching out to me. Because of my marketing that I've been doing that has honestly just, like, done so well as I've kind of become more familiar with what I should be doing, how I should be posting things, when I should be posting them, that kind of all plays an important factor in marketing. In Maine, for example, um, I was actually um, vacationing in Maine, and I had a photo taken of me and my book in front of the Nubble. And the reason I was able to post it on one of the main forums is because my grandmother used to live in Maine. So I was able to express what my book was in the bio of the post. And this bookstore in Maine reached out to me and said, we would love to sell your book here. So I went, I met the couple who owns the bookstore. That's why my book is sold in Maine. Now in Connecticut, I have my book in a few stores. I have one in Southbury. I have one in Wallingford. I have one in Hamden. I have one in Shelton. So I'm, again, all around Connecticut. These people are finding me online, and they're saying, hey, this sounds like a great book. Can we sell it here? Do you see this book going more nationally, and do you see yourself following it nationally? In other words, you know, if it's for sale in Pennsylvania, do you see yourself going to talk at schools in Pennsylvania, or do you see yourself public speaking wherever this book is being sold across the country? Is that something that you're willing to do? Yes. So I do want to do more of a book tour because I think I kind of like overstayed my welcome in Connecticut (laughs) since so many people have, you know, found out about me or they know about my book. Um, I'm also actually going to be at the Durham Fair as a vendor. I will be there on Thursday, September 21st. So I'm super excited about that. That's one of the biggest, you know, state fairs, Connecticut. So you're going Um, to have a table there? Yes which is awesome. So I'm super excited about that because there's a lot of people who come to the Durham Fair. Um, and another cool thing is that I have events um, all the time, but I also do work another job because, of course, being an author, I can't always support myself. So, no, you're right. The sales, that's not what's important. It's important that I'm sharing this message with people. I'm able to help these people who are dealing with the same process that I have. And now I do hope to get into school counseling, which is what I'm trying to work towards, um, and help other people as well as give the insight that I've learned along the way. A lot of people have a hard time writing for children because it has to be simple enough. You know what I mean? You can't use big, fancy words. You can't use big, fancy sentences. You can't be too long-winded. You have to be to the point. You have to be creative and artistic, but you also have to be simple. And you're trying to convey a very difficult message. Now, I don't think that you necessarily thought that through because this came to you so quickly. You wrote it in 15 minutes, as you said. It's like a good hit song from the 1960s. A lot of those were written quickly, (laughs) right? And so, um, but if you look back on the process, if you look back on the book, and you think about the simplicity of children's books and the complexity of issues that they tend to take on, how does your book, The Ladybug Who Lived Out of Four-Leaf Clover, compare? So grief is such a controversial topic. I mean, this is something that every single person in the world has dealt with or they're dealing with. So in my experience, how I kind of wrote my story, and like I said, I know it was very fast, but I think because it was so personal and it was from the heart, I was able to kind of just make it as simple as I lost my grandmother. I 
see her, you know, and I'm walking in my backyard and I see a magical ladybug who lives on a four-leaf clover. And I realize I connect the dots. Hey, this is grandma. She's just reminding me she's always with me. So I think for other people who are in the process of writing books, writing children's books especially, you also want to find a topic that can really, 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 really relate to people. Um, I think it's something important to kind of express is that, you know, sometimes everybody wants to write their own cool children's book about the dog going to the park or anything like that, which is great. And especially if it's important to you, but you want to find something that a lot of people have not wrote about yet. So you can kind of hit that topic or whatever it is that's important to you. So you can kind of draw these people in and say, hey, that book looks pretty interesting. Let me read about it. Let me put it in my store. Let me have you and come come and do a reading or be a vendor somewhere. She makes it sound so easy, doesn't she? That's Emily Frankie, everybody. Wallingford-based author, the author of The Ladybug, who lived on a four-leaf clover inspired by her late grandmother. And if you want to reach out to her, learn more about her, even get a signed copy of her book, emilyfrankie.com, emilyfrankie.com on Facebook and Instagram. Look up Emily Frankie Author, and I should also note that it is F-R-A-N-K-E. It is not any other spelling of Frankie, F-R-A-N-K-E. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080.